we, we, we should rap about things that we like, like, like food. That's what. You bugging ass Jeff, you know it. We're gonna be like the Partridge family, but with food. You like food, don't you? Got any uh, white bread? Yes. Oh, wait. I am the spaghetti. Duval, you're not the spaghetti. I am the spaghetti. Let go of the lid. Just spaghetti in here. Is this organic? Sure. Is it grass-fed? Yes. Cruelty-free? What's so special about the cheese maker? As the saying goes, you are what you eat. And I am freaking cheese. <laughs> Eating crackers. How about four beans, Mr. Taggart? I'd say you've had enough. Uh, you know the Facebook this time three years ago? Mm. It, it threw up a, a photo, um, I think, not sure which one of Sally's houses, but like the little Mike and like all his food mm. <laughs> sitting there. And I was like, yeah, we used to get quite a bit of background noise in the whole podcast that I now am slightly professional on edit out but used to start off with crunch 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 <laughs> so cookbook club which I didn't get to go to last year looked amazing now that you have this list mm-hmm. you can plan to come to one yeah so potluck you're saying is for all the members so do they get to pick the favourites or do you pick the favourites so the whole thing with potluck is once you've become a member of cookbook clubs, mm. and that's by coming along to one that's featured in a book or yep. featured on a book, you're then a member and you're glued to us for life. <laughs> and Do you get a secret handshake? I'm not coming oh, unless it's a secret handshake. I think we need to develop one of those actually. Yes. But um, so every three months we have a potluck supper and everyone brings along a dish from a book that we've covered. All oh, right. And they get to talk about... Um, their experiences with cooking from the book over that time and it's a great way to sort of answer questions and um, you know just get feedback a bit more feedback about the book and then everyone gets to show off their their skills and new recipes that they've tried and and it's a great night I mean our first one was a huge success and never it had a great balance of dishes we don't discuss who's bringing what mm. So it's a true potluck in that essence. Like we may get all sweets or we may get all savory or we may get all of the same dish. Yeah. Oh, we've got a good balance of everything. Yeah. The but they're one. a lot amazing. of fun and um, there's great conversation. And cook, cook, yeah. look, cooking clubs generally. We had some really good friends who unfortunately moved back to Tassie. But we had a cooking club where two dishes and you took it in turns so the other couple would pick the two dishes and then the other couple would cook them mm-hmm. and it really and there was definitely not all successes you mm. know there were some monumental failures yeah i can remember marge made hollandaise at like four o'clock in the afternoon for a seven o'clock dinner uh-huh and i was like yeah no that doesn't really work no. that way <laughs> Um, and I had a, I can't remember, there was something that I did use the wrong meat or something and it just didn't work. Yeah. Well, sometimes like, and you know, we, we talked about this when, um, uh, you know, when we were first talking about cookbook club yep. last time is sometimes you cook a recipe and you cook it straight off. Cause this was the thing. The whole idea was you had to cook it. You got the recipe the week before 
and you weren't supposed to cook it in practice. You're supposed to go in cold yeah. and cook it to how the recipe was. Yeah. Now, I probably could cheat a little bit more and go, that's just not going to work. But it's funny how if you follow a recipe perfectly to the letter of the law, how sometimes you're just like, this just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. How does it, like, this makes no sense at all. You yeah. know, how can you cook, cook it that way and have something come out good at the other end? Yeah, I, it's funny because we've been talking about, and I've actually been writing a few recipes lately, and it's interesting what's in your head and what you know mm. is supposed to go into a written recipe and then what actually ends up on the page. Yeah. Um, and even I think we had that conversation at the last cookbook club because so I'd watched a documentary on, um, it was an American culinary institution cooking this recipe, these recipes from 1849 or whatever else. And it's what was in the recipe was ingredients and how to put the dish together. But what wasn't in the recipe is it's things that were just common knowledge back then like how to prepare certain cuts and yeah so it didn't go in the recipe because everyone knew that's right how to prepare that but now that knowledge is not there yeah so when you um start writing your cookbook Mm. will you give recipes and say to people go and cook them cold follow my recipe and tell me what happens yes yeah i've decided at at various levels like will you give it to a chef and a home cook and someone who cooks once a month sort of thing. Yeah. 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 I think... Are you volunteering? Yeah. 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 I think it's really important. And Julie and I have done so many book launches and so many um, author events and cookbook club now that it's really shown me if you don't get recipe testing done by people outside of your immediate circle of foodie friends... Mm. like yes have them test some of your recipes but you need complete strangers who don't know your mannerisms or your background to test your recipes because it's very evident in some of the books that we have done that they haven't done recipe testing which is why i think my sort of three most beaten up used cookbooks and my favorites are the two first jamie oliver ones yep and that um uh food to drink to yep because to me, they come across as their favorite recipes that had been yeah. home tested, yep. not necessarily restaurant tested. Yep. Um, particularly that first Jamie Oliver and the food to drink to, like they came across as the recipes that he cooked for his mates yeah. at home. Um, now that maybe was contrived to look like that, but it definitely, yeah. like I had a almost zero failure rate and that was back when I was sort of just dipping my toe into not sort of packet cooking you know Mm. moving into doing everything from the the raw state yeah Um, i just think uh, it's become really apparent that people are prepared to spend a lot and cookbook prices now you can spend 250 well you can spend 1200 dollars on a series of cookbooks if Mm. the recipes in that don't work Mm. you're going to be pretty pissed off really aren't you (laughs) it's like that david thompson cookbook which sits on my shelf and has been opened like nine times and every time I open it I go (laughs) which one is that (laughs) Thai food yeah the big one I only paid 25 bucks for it or something I got it why aren't you using it more scary (laughs) it's just a list of ingredients and we need to do um, that book and then you need to come along to that cookbook club oh we can't get the book anymore it's out of print really 
the, t- the classic Thai food one, the mm. really big one. Mm. Wow. You just scour all the second-hand mm. shops in Oh, Brisbane. you can borrow mine. It's never been used. <laughs> you want to sell yours? Yeah, I'll sell, I'll sell it back to you because all I do is look at it. it. It freaks me out. Like, I've got no... I've got no feel for it. Mm, I open yeah. it up and I look at all the ingredients and it's and it's like, well, I feel like I've got to get everything perfect. Mm. So if I went to a shop and I couldn't source X with all my other cooking, I'm like, okay, well, if I can't get chicken stock, I can use pork stock yeah. or I can mm-hmm. do this or I can do, you know, I've got a feel for how I can substitute or or cheat. And with that, I feel like, it's so complicated and so such a long recipe list that if I don't get everything and don't get it right, mm. I'll have wasted my time. You'll need to come result. to um, when Taya does her workshops here again. <clears throat> again. Yeah, get that base. Yeah. Mm. Is it because of the Asian flavor profiles and yeah, you're not I've being familiar got, with those ingredients? It's just not in my head. That's really interesting because I used to have the same fear. Yeah. And it was only when I was on MasterChef and I realized that I had to pretty much conquer this like wall I'd put up about Asian cuisine and flavor profiles and the ingredients that are used that I started to really just play around with it. And, you know, started off by buying some different sources and kind of just working out what works together. Now it's one of my favorite things to cook. But it took me ages to over. The, it was the exact same block. It was like there's too many ingredients, there's yeah. too many unfamiliar ingredients. I don't stock them in my pantry. Yeah. Um, and now I have like a whole shelf that's just for um, that style of cooking. I've got like three Asian things I can cook really well, and I get the flavor balance very good yep. in those things. And that's like dumpling soup, and um, I can never pronounce the bloody things. The, the dumplings that you fro- uh, steam and then fry. Gyoza. 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 Yeah, I can make them. They're good. A great book to kind of lead you up to using your David Thompson book is Balance and Harmony by Neil, Mer- Neil Perry. Mm-hmm. That's an awesome book. Do you have it here? Yeah. <laughs> um. just, just up there for all the podcast <laughs> listeners. You can, I, um... you can imagine a bookshop. It's, it's a beautiful book and it does really break down some really simple recipes to start with like master stocks and braising stocks and white stocks and this stuff because i'd love to like i love soups and yeah and uh what's the the breakfast one you make with the egg congee congee look that looks awesome and i'm just easiest thing i only just made my first congee the other day well okay it's going back a few weeks now um it was good and it was only because and i've always seen it as this like elusive kind of oh it's you know i couldn't possibly make that yeah and it was from the leftover um frames from our christmas potluck our christmas cookbook club sorry that someone went that'd be great for congee just chuck it in the pot with some rice and a shitload of water and let it it cook i was like what you can't just let rice stew away like that it'll just turn into porridge it's like duh that's what congee is it's rice porridge (laughs) i've never made congee and i loved it and so then we had this massive massive amount of base congee and we just added stuff to it um to change the flavor profiles and away you went yeah but now i think the climate that we have in queensland everyone should have a couple of 
um, like Thai dishes or Vietnamese dishes or something like that under their belt because it's perfect weather yeah. for that kind of food. It's yeah, and it's a pleasure to cook because you can play around with it, and it's a put this in and taste it and put that in and taste it and I do do the Vietnamese rice paper rolls but I don't know whether that's really Asian cooking it's more like assembling Asian, assembling but that's a favorite and <laughs> it's easy it's good for this weather too yeah and Perfect. yeah making lots of actually getting my sushi rice a lot better than I was used to be yeah now because the one of the boys really likes that and asks for it all the time so another great book actually to lead up to using david thompson's book is the adam lau's asian cookery school oh, yeah it's brilliant and all of his recipes are so accessible and they all work because he's one of these authors that does actually test his recipes um he invests a lot of time in making sure they work and i've never cooked a recipe out of his books that needs to be tweaked like it's it's beautiful and he also gives you the breakdown of what you can swap out or what you you know what's an optional ingredient if you don't happen to have it in the pantry and um i think at the start of that book he actually talks about these are your essentials and there's maybe five or six things in there like you need to have these in your pantry yeah and everything else we can substitute with whatever's in the fridge Mm. it's a really clever book it's great I, i do like um what's the guy in sydney the the famous chef his little series where he goes around and Luke, no. Luke Nguyen. No, 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 no. It's um, Hong Dan Hong. Dan Hong. Oh. Um, kitchen shelfies, shelfies, was it? Yeah. Shelfies. That was really brilliant fun. idea. Brilliant idea. You know, and go back and and that's sort of like the extreme of knowing your basics, where you can basically go, I can turn anything you've got in your kitchen yep. into a passable meal in mm. this particular style. Like he's doing it all in that sort of style. Yep. But he's taking a lot of mainly sort of Western mm. ingredients and yep. sort of flipping them on their head. The best trick I learned from him was like using up anything that you've got lying around for crumbs. So like, you know, mm. rice crackers or old <laughs> chips or like I already mm. used old bread, but yep. now I throw like, you know, the end of a packet of stale chips or anything like that into <laughs> it. it does. We did that the other night. I wanted something sweet. We had a bunch of stone fruit and cherries left over from Christmas. Yeah. And I, there's no way I was going to let these go to waste. So I was like, all right, we're going to do roasted stone fruits and cherries. I really feel like crumble. And we didn't have flour or anything in the house so it was pretty much brown sugar and crumbled up wheat bix yeah and it was well, great it works, it's yeah. going in my cookbook because <laughs> i was like this is amazing yeah. and it was like sticky and crunchy and wheat bixy and cereal and it was like this is cereal crumble mm. with fruit and then you put some ice cream with it and it's like this is breakfast but for dessert mm. it was breakfast it was, dessert it was lots of a fun chapter of breakfast yeah desserts. <laughs> breakfast for dessert okay so march 13 we got short stack what's yep. that book i've never heard of that one short stack these are awesome so you know when oh, you get right. stuck yeah, no, you with have, you have shown ingredients so this um, this is like um this is like stephanie alexander's cookbook deconstructed i guess you could put it that way mm. yeah so we're covering four short stack books i think there's 20 in the current 25 25 in the current series and um we're doing eggplant sweet potato buttermilk and tahini tahini 
So if you've got an ingredient in the pantry that just kind of, or if you grow stuff at home and you end up with an abundance of eggplants yeah. or an abundance of sweet potatoes, or um, there's one on apples, there's one on cherries. Um, these are great books because it gives you 25 or so recipes yeah. um, to utilize just that ingredient. It's pretty good. Tomatoes, that's a good one because I think everyone ends up with a glut of tomatoes because we all go crazy and plant like a million seedlings. And then we don't know what to do with all the tomatoes that come through. I like the format of these too because they look like they're made to be used in a kitchen and yep. scribbled in the margins and yes. thrown around. And, and that's what they see. Yeah. That's what they want you to do. It's a great idea. Yeah. Um, so this cookbook club, they'll get a choice of two. Yeah. And then, um, you know, we'll have the rest of the series on available. So because yep. with each cookbook club, obviously you take home the book with you. Um, so yeah. Oh, so that's built into the price. Yes. Oh, so you, you actually sweet. get dinner and a book and then a bit of conversation about the book. Yeah. Um, and I go through, you know, problems that I came across or like recipes that you must try from this book. And then do you have like a cookbook, good cookbook club, Facebook group so that you can <laughs> we're not that professional yet. get on with <laughs> we need to do it actually we we've got enough pictures it. and that now to do to do it but yeah. even like yeah. i noticed with um shirley's facebook group yeah you know all the people that are buying the stuff and then cooking yeah. stuff from the stuff that mm. they're buying and posting it which is obviously leading more people to go oh well i've got to get that next time because i don't want to miss out on that um mm. That's so. a good idea. We need to do that. Yeah. <laughs> on the list. So my, my social media um, bill will be in the mail. Yeah. But this this is a thing. We kind of started Cookbook Club with a really small group of just yeah. regular customers to the shop and people that we know through different food events. And uh, now it's it's kind of taking on a life of its own. So it's becoming more structured as we go along. It has yeah. sort of... Well, I th a little <laughs> bit like the David Thompson book. Sometimes, too, you need a jumping off point. Yeah. So... If you cook something, like you're cooking a couple of things from the book, then that gives you an idea of the style mm. or, you know, the complexity or it should give you a feel for yeah. the book and then, you know, you sort of get into it a bit easier. I mean, there are also some books that intimidate me. Like we have, um, is it Lamingtons and Lemon Tarts coming mm. up? Now, that's a Darren Purchase book and he is an amazing um, patissier. And that book scares the bejeebus out of me because mm. I am not a pastry chef and some of the techniques are quite refined. Yeah. He does like, say that this book makes it... Like um, the muffins I took out of the oven for the for Curtis's lunches this week and I took them out just a little bit too early and they all collapsed into each other. I love doughy scented muffins. Yeah, he wasn't yeah. as keen on them oh, though. Okay. <laughs> um, but, so, but for me, it's a great challenge because I've got to produce yeah. this table of amazing desserts for our members mm. um so that'll be a huge learning curve for me so i even i am still intimidated by cooking from these books particularly because the authors are getting or the chefs are getting more involved with us on social media yeah so we do you know a bit of tagging and stuff in the lead up to it so they know that we're doing their book at cookbook club and they're they're watching the instagram <laughs> like, feed on that, no, on that night and they comment and like people's pictures and so it's quite a cool thing because it's everyone's kind of interacting with the chef that wrote the recipes yeah um 
Yeah. Do you send them messages after games? Oh, I changed this. I think this works better than that. <laughs> no, I no. think that's a bit presumptuous. <laughs> um, but then also, you know, things like the Mark Best book that we did first yeah. off. Um, I probably would have bought. Well, I I had that book because I I love Mark Best as a chef. I think he's a genius. Um, but I probably wouldn't have cooked from that book if I just bought it and you know took a home and looked through all the pretty pictures and oh that's a great recipe i'll cook that one day but it'll go on the shelf yeah so this is i've got a lot of cookbooks like that yeah i do it all the time i spend a lot of money on books and then i don't use them um so this is a great way for me to break that habit and i actually find myself cooking out of cookbooks more and then having a new recipe filed away rather than just kind of cooking the stuff that i know yeah, I need to go back. It's really weird too, the the way the internet's gone, where like the internet's searchable. Mm-hmm. So if I've got an ingredient or I want to cook a particular thing, the first step is to go to the cook's companion. That's like my yeah. baseline, you know, go and see what's in there, have a bit of a dig around. And I don't really use it as, as a recipe. I more sort of use it as a resource to go oh, this is some things you can do with it. Yeah. And then that sort of gets my brain ticking over. But, um, yeah, the amount of times I sort of like, oh, I want to cook this. How do I, what's the recipe for that? Yeah. And rather than going and looking up in my book, in one of my 50-odd cookbooks, which I'll probably have a recipe for, it, you know, just tap it into the mm. into net. And the, the weird thing about that is the net is dominated by the supermarket yeah. recipes, you know, so it's like taste and coals and what we're like all mm. of that sort of stuff is what comes up first Do you know about eat your books no so eat your books is uh it's an american uh, american or uk uk i think uk, UK. anyway so um <laughs> you can put your library of books in there yeah it's a subscription-based um website but it's for you to put your library of cookbooks in there and then say if you are looking for a recipe type it up and it will come up with all the books that has chicken in it or egg yeah, right. in it or whatever and then tells you to go to yeah. the book yeah, yeah. so it's a good it's you a can good just scan your the codes in the back of all your home cookbooks mm. and so it'll you, it'll yeah and it'll add them to their, your catalog yeah. Yeah. The, the other thing clever Very it is clever. and it's got other people's library it's got hundreds thousands of mm. titles in there yeah so you can access i think they've got levels of membership where you can access all the others as well if you don't have that book yeah I'm all, I've always kicked myself. I've, I've never been a good record keeper. Um, and we did an Asian night in one of the share houses that I was doing. I think a Thai, it was a Thai dinner party and everyone had to make something. I think three quarters of the people just went to a Thai place and got takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, fair enough. But I did this. Um, I don't like tofu at all. But I did a really? lime tofu and chili soup yeah and it had 12 limes in it i think and it was amazing it's the only time i ever liked tofu and i lost the recipe when we moved had it printed out on a couple of a4 bits of paper and lost it never been able to find the recipe again why don't you like tofu uh don't really like the texture okay yeah do you like set custards yeah hmm. yeah that's right. interesting not not I'm not a massive dessert person anyway. Yeah. So not heaps, but I grew up on like baked custard with sultanas. Mm. So yeah, I'll eat I'll eat custard. 
think we need to do a, a blind tasting one day to see if your it's your perception of tofu uh, that I, influences your likes or dislikes. I find it fairly tasteless too. Yeah, right. Um, and I, it's that and beetroot are my two sort of. I just don't really like them. Never like tried. I've tried beetroot every single possible way you can eat beetroot. Just don't like it. Roasted. Is and it the weird earthy sweetness? I just don't like the flavour. Yeah, right. Don't like it pickled. I've tried it. Like the idea of like baby beetroots roasted is really appealing to me. You know, like I'm thinking, you know, it'd be caramelised yeah. and dark and sweet, and and then I eat it and I go, oh, it's disappointing. <laughs> It just doesn't do it for me. Next podcast, I'm bringing roasted beetroots and tofu. <laughs> and I'm going to convert you. And even like um, dips and stuff, you know, people are like, oh, roast beetroot dip is fantastic. And it's like, yeah, well, it's okay. Just, just yeah, and it doesn't, doesn't do it for me. Nice it's, in chocolate cake, but then you're not really tasting beetroot in that. It's more yeah, a, that's true. a carrier for the moistness. It's interesting because the reason I say we should do a blind tasting mm. is because I hated tofu. I'd never tried it though. Like I just was like the whole idea of it and I went on everyone else's opinions. And then I had this, um, it was a dinner that Adam Lau did um, at Peppers and <laughs> it was a tofu cheesecake. I had no idea it was tofu based and it was amazing. And then I just went, oh, okay, what have I been missing out on here? One, one of the au pairs that lived um, at our place was a vegetarian. So I would cook like a mainly vegetarian meal. And then when I had some, uh, had some meat. Hi, Anne. There you Hi, go. Anne. <laughs> Jump in. Poles. We're talking tofu. <laughs> I love uh, talking tofu. Yeah. Well, I don't like no, it. No, so. oh. I was just saying we should do a blind tasting because I said, yeah, do you yeah. like baked yeah. custard yeah because it's kind of but yeah but so i'd crumb it like i'd season it and crumb yeah. it and cook it up yeah. before i'd cook like lamb cutlets or something or do it on the barbecue yeah. and i'd i'd always cut a little bit off and try it yeah because i'm sort of like i like you know i should like this and it looked really appealing you know it's nice and crunchy and it's, yeah, it's still disappointing have you ha- have you tried like a really good agadashi tofu no Oh, mako tofu. Mm, oh, the I'm Dan not, Hong um, yeah. tofu custard with yeah, the pork mince. Oh, I'm not gonna, you know, sp- <laughs> spend money on time on something I don't like. All right, I think that one would be the tofu big converter. <laughs> this, is, this is the tofu challenge. All right, it's a whole uh, tofu and beetroot. But in um in Japan, so um, I've only spent a very short amount of time in Tokyo, but um, my partner is vegetarian, mm. so. Uh, fortunately, I had a friend who's Japanese who took us around, and she took us to a tofu restaurant, which sounds like hell to you, I'm sure. But <laughs> <laughs> but um, they had like all these different types of tofu, so not just ones that are soy based. You know, there's potato, oh, okay. protein that, now, based. Now that sounds a little yeah, bit more interesting. Anything even, based on potatoes yeah, is a lot more interesting. True. It didn't taste like mash, but um, but it's called um, and I'm going to get it totally wrong, but it's like konyaku. And it had a completely, well, it's not a completely different texture, but, you know, it was just, there was a big variety. I think we tend to get, you know, silken tofu or fern tofu here and yeah. very little in between unless you know people who know people. 
Um, so maybe we can find your tofu. So I was <laughs> setting this mission to convert know, you. It's like we're that. turning you to Scientology or something like that. And, and, and I make, yeah, a, no, I make a, a I'm probably going to have them walk in here soon and cut me away for mentioning that. But anyway. <laughs> I, I do a, a, a nice Asian style broth, you know, like with mm. the, where you yeah. just barely heat the chicken up yeah. and then, you know, bring it to a simmer and then just let it sit there for an hour yeah. and, very aromatic and stuff like that and put tofu in that and mm. it's just it's the most disappointing thing in the oh. soup is it a lot of tofu though is it the quantity no well i'm only eating one piece and then mm. i pick it out and give it to someone else yeah i mean it is a vehicle for flavor right yeah it's not a, yeah like it's a texture yeah yes so much mm. conversation so on much, tofu. So much tofu but there's so many there's so many <laughs> other better things to true yeah to do i think though with um you know vegan cuisine coming to the front you know like a lot of restaurants are now featuring vegan dishes as part of their main menu Mm. then there's different ways to use soy and tofu and and it is a (laughs) stop shaking your head it's kind (laughs) of an ingredient though that there's so much potential there no eggs and no cheese is basically against my Vegans. Oh look, me too. <laughs> like let's just let's just put it out there. I'm, I'm not, I'm you know, Italian. Just, just yeah. <laughs> um, the amount of meat in my freezer is <laughs> just like whole beasts. Yeah, whole beasts. But um, it is interesting to work with ingredients in a different way. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. Yeah. Hmm. What about I need a so a ragu? I guess I want a uh, like a like a chunky beef pasta sauce with tofu no not with <laughs> yeah. tofu what's the, the, tofu? Seg- what's the, the tofu? segue here because i was gonna go we do an amazing <laughs> walnut ragu yeah. at bucci oh. it's completely vegan and it tastes i know no no i i shit you so, not no, you've said meat we've no, moved on wait, to the protein wait, part of it the but, real protein part of it <laughs> cool um it's it it's amazing because it's like it tastes like meat it looks like meat but it's not meat. Mm. <laughs> it's just crazy. It's so good. Anyway, yeah, meat. No, I just I'll, like it's, it's really good. Mm. Yeah, it's coming off the menu soon, though. <gasps> okay. Yeah, we're doing a roasted kohlrabi and almond sauce. Mm. Sounds well, interesting. Tastes amazing. Sorry. <laughs> so the um, the Italian au pair that was just, I haven't made pasta for a little while because my duck egg oh, supplies. This is what we need to oh, do is pasta. We have pasta. a great pasta from the last cookbook mm, club. Yeah. Yeah. Mind-blowing. So yeah. what, what uh, fresh pasta? Can I use fresh mm. pasta? How, yeah, this, how is, wide? this is the pasta the recipe. Making, the pasta. Oh, making okay. the pasta. This pasta, from it was from Mr. Wilkinson's um, favourite vegetables. It's like... 13 egg yolks to 240 grams of pasta. Wow. Yeah. Um, 240 grams of flour. Sorry. Mind blowing. I'd have to measure out the flour then. That sounds way too much. Well, yeah, this one you do need to like, cause he even gives a weight of the egg yolks to use. But that was the same with Mark Best. Mm. Do you remember? Oh, he has a 48 egg yolk. Yeah. We did Mark Best's, um, best kitchen basics. basics. Um, was one of our first ones yeah that was our our very first one and um we didn't do that recipe you didn't cook that recipe but you know it came became the challenge like oh look at this recipe it's got 40 egg yolks in it and had a supply of egg yolks 
just chicken eggs, but yeah, it was it's pretty full on, you know. Okay, so what does and it was about it what? was about the same weight as yolks to flour. Yeah, but I don't I can't remember the exact. Okay, I've got Wait. lots of questions. <laughs> lots of questions. How tacky does the pasta dough come out? Um, Not that tacky. Because, yeah. so, you've got to let it rest Yeah. yeah. Um, for about an hour. I backpack mine, and then I just need to let it sit for 20 minutes, and it's fine. Because yeah. it's about the flour picking up all the moisture. So, so nor- then the tackiness disappears. So, normally, when I make pasta, I just make it in the morning yeah. and wrap it tightly in glad yeah. wrap and stick it in the fridge yeah. and I take it out at night yeah 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 so this right. isn't a this it's not a pasta dough that will kind of stick to every surface mm. um, because you've worked all the gluten and that sort of thing so it's all it's there and you've let the flour pick up all the moisture from the yolks and stuff it's a softer dough yeah but it'll um, still go through a pasta machine? Yeah, it'll still go through a pasta machine. It's probably not suitable for cutting into like fettuccine or spaghetti or linguine or anything like that. Okay, so It's we'll, more of a sheet pasta. So you would do that like... That was the Mr. Wilkinson's one. Wasn't yeah. It? And so you would do rag pasta or tortellini or ravioli or... Okay, so that's where I probably need to start expanding my technique. Because I really only make two types of pasta, mm. which is fettuccine and spaghetti. Yep. Yeah. Um, and and fresh lasagna. Mm. So this would be great for lasagna sheets. Yeah. This particular. But dog. the forty egg yolk one, I did a few times after we got the book, and I've yeah done fettuccine and oh, yeah. spaghetti with that, no problems. And it holds up all right going through yeah. a machine. No problems. Okay. Yeah, not at all. No, there I never. And I'm not, you know, a sort of vintage pasta maker. My nonna used to make, and I used to make it with her, but mm. she was in charge. So this is sort of one of my only forays into well, I love having a crack. Sally lent me, um, and I'm sure both of you have read this book, the guy, the journalist in the States that went and worked at, um, in the, it's like one of the famous pasta restaurants in New York. So he got this, he got this, if you haven't read this book, you got to read this book. <laughs> it is hilarious. Insane, but hilarious. Yeah. So we got this commission to go and do a profile on this chef. Yeah, and my terrible memory is letting me down, but I'll, I'll, I'll find it. And so, the guy said to him, "Yes, you can interview me, but you have to come and do a shift in the mm. restaurant." Good move. I love Good that. Move. And so yeah. he came and did a shift in like the crappiest position in the pasta restaurant and got hooked. Mm. Quit his job, worked six months in the restaurant, went to Italy for six months. Wow. And then came back and worked another six months in the restaurant and then went back to being a journalist huh. oh, and obviously wrote the book. So I guess he got something yeah, out yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. But it's just, this guy is just Who is it? Nuts. Julie? Do you know the book I'm talking about? <laughs> She's Julie's like, ah, Miss Have you got Sally's, um, can you text Sally and ask her? <laughs> crazy pasta. Crazy pasta uh, guy. Crazy pasta guy, journalist in America. So... He was. He went to like one of the f- most famous pasta um, places, you know, old school pasta places in Italy. Mm. You know, pasta restaurant. And he's gone out the back, and there's this, you know, seventy-five-year-old grandmother out there, and she's making the pasta. She, so she's making up all the pasta, dough and then um, so she's got it all in these tubs, and then she goes to to roll it out, yeah. and she pulls out the electric pasta machine, starts feeding it through. <laughs> Yeah, and he's just like, you're not rolling it out, out by hand? And he's, she's like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Don't you do, we do like half a ton of pasta yeah, a day. Yeah, of course I'm not rolling it out by hand. And he was just shattered. 
it's just absolutely broken. That, the dream. Yeah, that this gone. like classic that he thought was hand rolled, mm. and you know it was all sort of cut by hand, so it had that. Did you see that? Um, I think it was on the BBC recently, and Jamie Oliver has tried making it. But it was this really specific pasta mm-hmm. that's only you know typical Europe, Italy thing of it's only one person in the world that can left that knows how to do it, mm. and um, and it was this incredible big kind of circular board and they made this really stretchy pasta dough mm. and they sort of made it into strings uh, strings and then it like layers and layers roll got, it, twisted no it, it was was it, I, can't I did see they have a video yeah. of how to how to roll it and then it goes over this board and then it sort of makes a lattice work so uh-huh. one layer and one yeah, layer yeah, yeah. and then this lattice works incredibly fine dries and then they actually break it into mm. almost like ravioli sized Pieces and then and then they put it in it. a soup, yeah, like yeah. A, a soupy pasta. Like way too much hard work. But mm-hmm. it's only this one family that knows how to do it, and yeah, as I said, I think Jamie Oliver apparently tried to learn how to do it and Couldn't. completely failed, and he's passed down from mother to daughter, and he's going to yeah. die because nobody knows how to do, do it. Do it, yeah. <laughs> well, my next one I really want to get is the. Um, I want to get an extruder. I really mm. want to get an extruder so I can do fresh spirals and yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. fresh macaroni and yeah. stuff like that. When you see those women doing it in any kind of footage from Italy, they just do it so quickly, like mm-hmm. the little orchetti. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, like, d- I've done just, them. You know, like these little sleight of wrist. And it's got to it be churns them out. You know? Yeah, it's I think it's like it's like watching the guys do dumplings. You yeah, know, you watch you guys like do dumplings, and you can tell that they do. T- 20,000 yeah. dumplings a day yeah. like I love dumplings but I don't do yeah, them all yeah. the time because I sit there and I'm like pinch pinch one you know it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. two and I'm like oh, I've only got another hundred to go it's almost like they do it in a two you know step action as done yeah mm-hmm. and yet there's all these intricate folds and it's so perfect when and, they put it down and again before I used to be cooking Ill for two years. Who's that? Bill Buford. Bill Buford, yeah. Mm-hmm. Heat. heat. Yeah. <laughs> L- lend it to these ladies because yeah. it is damn funny. Can we uh, put it on the list? It's really, yeah. really funny. Oh, cool. He's just nuts. He's yeah. just absolutely. Look, they're all nuts. The chefs, the 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 journalist. It's just it's an insane book. <laughs> um, yeah. So when I had when I was just cooking for Vanessa and I, I would do dumplings quite often yeah. or I would do, you know, the little spiral yeah. twist pastas. Yeah. And, yeah. But, but now nah. I'm cooking for six. Nah. Mm-hmm. Nah. It's got to be... And the way they're eating. And my mum always used to say, you know, that she kind of lost the passion for cooking because it just goes down so quickly and mm. nobody ever says thank you. And that's family cooking, you know. Mm. You spend all this time. And yeah. not that you want huge mm. amounts of thanks, my but maybe like a thank pause. You, well, they don't leave the mm. bloody table. That's how it goes yeah, in our house. Yeah, but it's, you know, it's like this... They'll probably say thank you for a meal that took five minutes or a meal that took... Oh, yeah, they Do you know what no, I mean? Like, they have no... Um, it's, it's funny because we had a five-year-old yeah. and two two-year-olds. Yeah, yeah. And the two-year-olds are picking up all the things that I've been trying to get into Curtis. Yeah, cool. So oh, that's good. the twins will say, that was a lovely dinner, thanks, Dad. <laughs> Thank Aww. you. Like, quite genuinely, if they've enjoyed their dinner and eaten it all, and it's just like... That's that, nice. So they, they understand yeah, that yeah, yeah. if they do like it, yeah. it's nice to say yeah, thank you, yeah. which is an amazing concept for, for a almost just, three-year-old It takes grasp. that long. you just got to keep plugging away at the manners, and eventually it goes in. But the, you're right. Like, dinner is just like you put it on the table, it gets inhaled or yeah. ejected, and yeah. then it's done. Yeah. We had a weekend, one night actually, where all the kids were down the coast 
with the au pair and it was yeah. like cooked a nice lamb rack with pistachio crust and these little oh, potato wow. stacks and sat down and went I can spend yeah, yeah. 15 minutes eating yeah. this dinner. And, and I won't have to sweep anything off the floor. No, afterwards. and I can, I can mm-hmm. maybe pour a second glass of wine. <laughs> it was just like, it blew my mind. Absolutely. Oh, the novelty. Right. <laughs> yes, yes. And like, I'm, I'm like, you know, I finished and went to clean up. And it's like, sit down. What's the rush? There's nowhere to go. It was one of the reasons I stopped making camembert and blue cheeses. Because mm. you spend 12 weeks looking yeah. after Nurturing. this cheese Nurturing. and then you put it on a cheese board and someone just gets a <laughs> knife and just goes and shoves it on a piece of bread and then and it's gone God. and you're like worse I imagine what? in a restaurant is that you see people like eating a bit and leaving it and then I mean that must be that must be like when I see it happen here you know if people only have one bit of cake it drives me bonkers well, and the, I only see it once a week the interesting thing was oh, we mm. when we went to um <laughs> Julian, we, we went out because like I don't go out yeah. very often and I'm <laughs> offended I. Danielle a little bit by going to Ben's instead of to their restaurant oh, it's not f- you still have offended I, I did I did go and say hello first and she's like what are you doing out and I'm going next door and she's yeah, see, that's lot. that's where you went wrong <laughs> I should have just walked past like this but um so we had entrees and mains and Ben's sending a few little things out and it was like we were so full and he's like why don't you have dessert and I'm like because I don't think I could eat it all and I really <laughs> don't want to like the last thing I wanted oh, to do yeah. was send back Leave any it. plates at all that had stuff left on them Yeah, mm. which is good because the girls are like I've finished and I'm like thank you I'll eat the rest of that yeah. Dark. But yeah, it's, uh, it is hard like I had this conversation with someone yesterday actually about wastage in kitchens and it comes down to um so we have to charge a certain amount for a plate of food because of what we spend creating that plate of food yeah but there's a perceived value so if someone's paying a dollar amount they want to see x amount on their plate unfortunately for a lot of diners, the thought of the quality that's on the plate is secondary mm. to the quantity. So we know, then yeah. we, we send out a bowl of pasta, it's way too much. Oh, isn't that like, criminal? We, it, it, but you can't because then they would think it's less valuable. Yeah. yeah, see, well, that was the interesting thing at that dinner at Ben's is all the things were quite not big. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And if you'd said to me, well, there's three people and we got this many entrees and this many mains. Mm. You go, oh, well, you're still hungry. But I was mm. packed full. Yep. And I was actually thinking because, what it was, two weeks later I did that the pod in the restaurant with mm. you guys and I'm watching mm. you play it up and I'm looking at these bowls going, I would not be able to order yeah. entree and dessert. Yep. That of would be, that quantity, yeah. I would have to yeah. sit there and probably work through the last 10 yeah. spoonfuls of that. That's yep. a huge feed because yep. those bowls are massive. Yes. And like it doesn't look big in the bowl, but when you actually think about the size of the bowl, how yeah. much food there is. Yeah. Um, so like, how many people eat the whole thing all the time? I would probably say a third of our customers. Okay, that's higher than what I would have thought. Yeah, but it is still heartbreaking when you know mm. that probably twenty percent of what you send out is gonna come back. And mm. I'm constantly, as the wait staff walk past to, from clearing the tables, going, "Does everything arrive right with that meal?" Mm. Oh no, they're yeah. just full. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's the thing, like, you're looking for that feedback loop. Yeah. You're looking for... Because genuinely, some people would eat a quarter of it yeah. and really go, yeah. oh, that was an amazing meal, but that's what they eat, so yeah. that's all they're going to eat. But you also can't reduce the price of that dish to a quarter of that no. price. You yeah. can mm. reduce it maybe to a half yeah. or maybe to two-thirds, so but you can't... Do you, do you yeah. offer entree sizes? No, we don't anymore. Yeah. Um, right. We found that it just wasn't... Popular. Um, it wasn't a viable option mm. to offer an entree size. See, I'm a bit weird. Like, I like to try as many different things as yeah. I can. So, like, mm. the entree menu for me is almost like, you know, that's where you frolic and you get... Yeah. yeah like, what, like the, the thing is, like, let's get five entrees instead of two yeah. mains because mm. you get to try five yeah. different things. Yeah. That's a really common trend in dining and I love it. And yeah. we've actually really catered our menu to that kind of dining experience and so a lot of our pastas people tend to share yes. across the table yeah, yeah. so they um, like, might get two mains yeah. and six entrees yeah. and share them between six people yeah. sort of thing and that's great i love people that dine that way mm. <laughs> i don't understand and i understand that if you've got a favorite dish and you will eat it mm. regardless but we will have tables come in and they'll order four of the same dish oh man that's and i'm just like why why wouldn't no. you go i'm gonna order this how about you order that and then and we're gonna there is in, in, share in like Again, we don't go over else, but there's always intense <laughs> negotiation between mm-hmm. Vanessa and I because we're both. You're a sharer. You're not a sharer. No, we're both sharers. sharers but then it's like, but because I cook for her, like I cook all mm. the time, so obviously her tastes after, you know, twenty years of yeah. being together are fairly influenced yeah. by me. Mm. So she often will go, "Oh, well, I like that," mm, and then, and then it's like, "Well, that's what I was going to pick." And it's like, "Well, what was your second option?" And then we'd like negotiate yeah. over what the second one's going to be. <laughs> It's Ben's like, not a sharer because he's vegetarian and everyone's like, oh, we'll share, but he can't share the other dishes. Yeah, yeah. So he's, he's quite like, nope, I'll order my vegetarian option and I'll eat it whole. Is that because... But then I often order, order vegetarian and then yeah. we can share, but... Okay. I was going to say, because is that because there's not enough options? Usually, yeah. Usually. I find that to be... I mean, I find when you say there's not enough options, you, you imply that there are options. Yeah, well, like it's just one yeah, option. Which is an option. So we've had a couple of vegetarian or pears live with us and that, mm. that's cool. That's really stretched my in fact one of the best pasta um dishes I made was I bought a box of really ripe Roman tomatoes mm. from a good fruit Heaven. shop and just I think I roasted them whole. Just slow roasted them mm. with heaps of garlic, heaps Yum. of rosemary. <laughs> Until they were probably a loaf of bread right now. Yeah. Half the texture, half yeah, okay. like, like lost half deflated. their weight. Yeah. yeah, and then just Mashed stem up. blend them, mm-hmm. and then Yum. put them in takeaway containers and just went into the fridge or the freezer. And yeah, that and great. that with a bit of sour cream was the yeah. and um, parmesan cheese was like pasta sauce. Yeah. Just and, just making and those pizza sauce flavors mm. more rich. Yeah, I mean, if they're yeah. really sweet anyway, they just, you know, keep all that loveliness. Yeah. Mm. I used to work for Food Connect um, in days gone by, and occasionally we get that sort of box of cherry tomatoes or um, little, you know, baby romas or something that were heading south. Yeah. But I'm, I just detest waste, so I would sort of take them home and dump them all in the sink and sort through them, you know. Like, there's no way you would ever do that in any kind of... Um, 
commercial scale because yeah. it took forever. But they were just the sweetest tomatoes, you know. They're just the best tomatoes mm-hmm. to have for a sauce. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit oh. like me haunting the, um, the Woolies cheese section. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, What's going yes. off? It's, like a no. it's not going off. It's at no, its peak. Exactly. <laughs> well, probably even not quite at its peak. Yeah, know? yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, ripe cheese. Oh. So, like, <laughs> so lightly fermented tomato. Oh. So, back to my question. Yes. Uh, there was a question. Uh, uh, yeah. Like a rough, rough torn beef mm. sauce for uh, like a wide pasta. For me, I would just get some beef cheeks or some shin or something yeah. like that and just chuck it all in a pot with onions and garlic and tomatoes and just let it cook for like 12 hours. Yeah. Mm. Really low. Real low and slow. Yeah. Mm. And then it will just fall apart naturally and then that's your ragu. Like, yeah. And it'd be, yeah. Or Red wine? Yeah, like, a little bit. I don't know. I think it depends. Like, so... Sean and I have been playing around with a dish for the new menu and it's a beef cheek um, angulotti and Mm. these beef cheeks he kind of put his little spice twist on it and they're but because they're wagyu beef cheeks so Mm. they're just like beef cheeks are sticky and awesome at the best of times but these have like a just a intensity and a richness to it. Like I, I'm so I'm good. a demon for wagyu secondary cuts. Yep. You know, I because I work in the butcher industry, so yeah. wherever I see them, I'm like, yes, keep them apart for me. Oh. But that that market in the butcher industry mm-hmm. is completely dried up. Yeah, I've heard all that the they they buy the prime cuts. Yeah. They get the prime cuts, but no one seems to be able to get the because I used to buy wagyu shin beef and make a um, just like a stew, mm. you know, just like an Irish stew out of it. It was awesome it's like the best Irish yeah yeah but yeah I mean I guess a good red wine through that sauce would be good but I don't know this was I think Sean just used tomatoes and seasoning and just some some blackened onions so we put the onions on the char grill so that they got nice and charry and so good I can't wait for the dish to come together it's being served with caramelised mushrooms and I should uh, I think it's Mm. a Porcini broth. I was going to say shiitake, but that's not very Italian. That sounds mm. amazing. <laughs> um, it's going to have good. the walnut and I'll have the annual yeah. tea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, and the, the only other one I've come up with is like um, I made a mushroom gnocchi mm-hmm. with like mm-hmm. a almost like a white sauce sauce. So yep. it was like a, a roux base and chicken stock and cream and lots of mushrooms. Yeah. So there's a vegetarian dish that I make. Chicken broth, definitely vegetable. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like, that's yeah. the thing. Bro- you, like, yeah. stock, stock, any yeah, stock, yeah, yeah, vegetable yeah, stock. Yeah, I Take use chicken stock because okay. that's what I've got in my... <laughs> like, the, the funny thing is the, the Italian girl we've got living with us at the moment, it's originally, her parents are from Morocco, so she's yeah. a Muslim background, she doesn't eat pork. Yeah. So I've had to go away from my standard stock that I would have which was pig's trotter stock yeah right. you know that used to be my because it, it sort of balanced between beef and, and chicken yeah you know it was light enough in flavor to use for chicken stock yeah. but it was hefty enough in to texture to, to use for a beef stock so I only ever had to make one stock mm-hmm. yeah so now I have to go back to making two yeah it's well it's I mean it's been said a million times but the Italians and French they do great vegetarian food but they don't believe in vegetarians you know? no and that's just the way they are. So you just have to frame it differently when you're going there. Or if you look at a menu, 
you just got to, you know, yeah. don't ask the server for a vegetarian option. Just have a look at what's in the dish. Yeah. And be a bit, you know, a little bit flexible. Yeah. Um, going back to what I was saying about having that no base in Asian food, mm-hmm. one thing I have been trying is um, like uh, quick pickles oh, yeah. for like rich things. Yeah. So like julienning um, carrots yep. and cucumber and um, cutting cauliflower really small and making like a quick pickle and mm-hmm. putting it on beef cheeks or um, uh, I had some Wagyu corn meat that I made for Christmas and then had like a little pickle on the side um, we so. had pickle with carrot cake yes oh. and brie. in our last book club and wow. brie and it yep. was a cracker it I was, highly recommend yeah. pickle with your carrot cake I had never yeah, never would have eaten carrot cake in that way Give yeah cream but it really anyway, like it really really worked and, it, and, it, but, and that does I mean yeah. that's a classic but this amazing was, pairing but this really it was like a cheese course and a dessert course yeah and all in one it was great and because it, because it cuts the richness, you could eat more carrot cake. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a very gingery pickle. It was crazy it ginger. It was like fiery, gingery pickle. So, so it had spice and then preserved lemon because it was a yeah, Moroccan. Yeah, preserved lemon. Like kind of a Moroccan-y. Do you do a, a many longer sort of pickles? I used to do lots of that stuff. Yeah. Um, like I used to do my own preserved lemons and um, dill pickles and mm. all of that sort of stuff. I even had those little Mexican sour Mm. I'm still waiting for my citrus trees to 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 bloom. It's a long saga about your citrus trees. I'm a long time listener of the pod. All my all my (laughs) and then I I finally got I finally got the grey water all sorted and had it out there and um, the grass went crazy and I was the, the thing with having three kids is you always press for time yeah. so instead of doing this right thing and going and pulling all the grass out yep. by hand and stuff I just like I'll just spray Whip around the tyres oh. and I killed three fruit trees oh, in one go dude. one of my Ouch. one of my finger limes an oh, orange no. an orange oh. and uh, the lots of lemons which is mm. like the most prolific one and we had like doubled in size in three months since I started putting the grey water on it oh that's heartbreaking and I was like i but I was finally getting somewhere. So, so my I live in um, a place at Woolongabba that uh, is still currently owned by a very elderly Italian gentleman, and he he's ninety five now I think. But he sorted out the whole grey water thing long before water tanks and it was legal to sort out the grey water thing. And someone a neighbour dobbed him in because oh, really? he's got an old grapevine. So he used to just <laughs> I think I think he actually used to hang a pipe out the window of the bathrooms yeah. an old Queenslander. And um, water the grapevine with the grey water. Well, if you go and, pa- uh, past my place at Cook yeah. Street, oh yeah, your that lime tree, lime tree that was <laughs> that's like a grey water. Well, the, the the laundry is behind the lime yeah. tree, so like you can either let it go into the drain yeah. or you just hang it out, yeah, out the brickwork, and it would just and no one would ever see yeah. it. Yeah. So I've current, I've recently re, um, I've moved the washing machine from where it was mm. so this this might be possible again so yeah. i might be reappropriating my gray water yeah, see, back to the um great gray, gray water where grapes. i am no one's going to dump me into the council no no and um, it, but the whole argument about it's completely changed i mean he had the property for i don't know 50 years or something and this was like right at the beginning he yeah. came from stanthorpe he came to the city planted grapevines like well i need to water the grapes so i'll just use the gray water but yeah Someone went, oh, no, no, no. Yeah. It's but nice. now... Well, when I was growing up in Gladstone and we moved 
um, my parents built a new house mm. and in Gladstone you weren't allowed at that time you weren't allowed to put a water tank on a new yeah, house yeah isn't that and they only got around it by if you had tanks at your place you could replace, replace them it, yeah. so they said we need to replace the tanks at our old house yeah. and bought two tanks yeah, yeah and yeah. put them on the new house it's like banana trees you're not you're not supposed to plant new banana trees yeah, yeah. that's that's a little bit different no though, i know because but of the, you know the diseases like, yeah. yeah you can't bring them in but if they're there because i've got bananas too yeah and they just grow and yeah. you know <laughs> yeah i think it should if you if you have a property with banana trees on it just leave them even yeah. if it conflicts with all of your yeah your feng shui and whatever and else just, just leave them because well, I, I, I mean not only for sorry but to interrupt but not only for the bananas i'm not a banana fan yeah but i love to cook in banana leaves and mm. banana blossom salads are yes. amazing so i don't like bananas but every other I part of the bananas. tree is Isn't that interesting? Oh, God, no, no julie doesn't either no. she says they taste Texture. like seed yeah, texture is gross. Having a banana for dinner tonight. The smell is not great. No, I'll eat banana lollies though. Banana, banana bread. Banana chips. Um, banana bread occasionally. Banana chips. Hell no. Banana chips are terrible. I don't mind them, but not the. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, not a banana fan, but love every other aspect of that plant. It's. I just realised um, this week that I've sort of got these terraces in behind the house and they're terrible to mow and yep. have to get in and yeah, whip yeah. They're them. terrible terraces. And I was sitting there and I'm like, because I, I need to refresh the chooks. I had a bit of a problem with the neighbour's dog and I'm down to oh, no. one chicken oh. from... 12 or something over, oh a, peri- over a period okay. of time. Okay, like not, not a rampage. <laughs> a chainsaw massacre. Yeah. <laughs> but I was just, uh, I sort of went to myself, why don't I just fence off this terrible pit of. Yeah, put the chooks on it. And put the chooks on it and they can yeah. bloody mow my lawn yeah, for me. Definitely. And then you'll have amazing soil to work yeah. with later yeah. on. And plant well, stuff on it and you never have to mow it. Yeah. Well, I've already got fruit trees in there. Yep. Got mm-hmm. some, actually, the pear. Isn't it funny that the Queen, that Queensland sun? So this is probably one of the more shaded areas in my property. Yeah. But that pear has had almost minimal water, and yeah. it is thriving. Mm. Wow. Because I just don't think it gets that heat that How dries the soil. How old is out. it? Like, uh, did you plant it? Or? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. three years old. Yeah. So they say pears for your heirs. Yeah. Yeah. Pears for your heirs. Well someone will get it I yeah guess. the first house <laughs> like we, your lime tree <laughs> first house we looked at we we sort of looked at two places we looked at Samford and we looked where we are now yeah, yeah. and the first place we looked at had a full orchard yeah, like wow. 20 established yeah established yeah, 20 yeah. fruit trees yeah. had already had a chook pen steel chook yeah. pen um had a dam Amazing. fully fenced like I, I could have just bought a cow and put it on there but it had a livable shed, okay. but not a house. The shed. Oh, like that was the only property that was. No, no, that that this shed, this was, shed was like a house, yeah. but it wasn't designated as yeah, a house. Yeah. But there so, was no actual house. No that house. Was just, there was yeah. a pad, but no house. Yeah, yeah. But the thing was, this 
we put an offer of 500 on for this place and i think it's sold for 600 but then at any stage the council could come to you and say yeah you need to build a house now and you'd have to come up with another yeah whatever at least the hundred thousand dollars to build even the smallest tiniest house so like yeah we can't really take that risk well that's what i'm i mean the place that i'm in it has because there's an old italian gentleman he it's got mulberry mango uh, persimmons coming out the wazoo, uh, banana, huge macadamia tree. It has some um, uh, pomegranate, but they've never really done oh, any. Wow, thing my pomegranate's pretty. <gasps> See, I, there's one in Holland Park that I drive past, and, and people don't seem to pick it, and I always just sort of stop by and go, Will they notice? But I've never done it. But I, yeah, I need to do something to it. I don't think it's very. I know. <laughs> I think that's the most. That's the the only thing that's going to be more exciting than getting pomegranates is getting finger limes. Yeah. And no one can tell me why my yeah. finger lime won't flower. Therese is yeah. having great success yes, with her finger limes. Yes, we've had that discussion. <laughs> oh, okay. Rub she's, salt into the wind. She's like, <laughs> yes, I get kilos of finger oh, limes. Yeah. I'm like, that's fantastic. She's freezing oh, them now. Bitch. Freezing she's got so many. <laughs> <laughs> You treasure it forever. Yeah, it'll it'll go in a like it'll get embalmed and (laughs) put on the shelf. My first big straight to the pool room. Uh, So yes, I've got and and the the house lime tree looks like I got three limes last year, and it looks like this year will be the first year where Mm. I get that you know that real sort of main crop. Yeah, cool. Which would be good because I go through limes like they're going out oh, of fashion. Oh, they're so good though. So li- lemons and limes. Yeah, you just mm-hmm. never I mean, go lemons wrong. you should use on everything basically. Yeah. yeah. They make everything taste better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think if you, like the, when I had the cows, my theory was if I've got, you know, I buy a 20 kilo bag of flour mm. and if I've got lemons, eggs and milk, mm. then... Yeah, you get flooded in and I'm really yeah. going to be able to do okay for a while anyway. Zombie apocalypse hits, you're fine. Yeah. 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 Well, it's the big rage now. You see all the multi-millionaires. Are, the oh, yeah. The all, sort of all panic the, room. All mm. the tech millionaires are, are... No, they're like... They're, um, you know, buying big properties. Oh, and growing their own. Yeah, like, but like huge fences yeah, around them. And then, and then, you know putting in yeah, flour right. mills and stuff like that so that they can survive when the apocalypse that. comes. I would do that if I had the money. Yeah. I used to live in an apartment and I thought this would be perfect because we had this big grassed area that was all raised up off the street level. Yeah. and The zombies wouldn't be able to climb Yeah, up. No. no. I thought we could reinforce that <laughs> it's a very really easily. Yeah. And then I thought because it was a big underground car park, we could block that in somehow, yeah. fill it with water. And, and actually then you've got a reservoir, mm. yeah. fish. Yeah. 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 Go the aquaponics. Yeah, aquaponics. Hmm. I restarted so. an aquaponics setup and found that blue barrels, dark blue barrels, in the Queensland sun get oh. quite hot. Yes. yes. And the you hot water fish. is. Oh, you boiled the fish? No, no, I haven't put fish in. Oh, okay. So the the, 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 the <laughs> unspoken <laughs> trick about starting aquaponics is you pee in it for a couple of months first. Right. Had not heard that. And that kicks the system off. Mm. And then once the you'll actually it's really fascinating actually you'll see because it's it's not a direct relationship Mm. it's nitrogen like it's the nitrogen the bacteria eat the nitrogen and 
oh, I'm not getting it quite right, but yeah. there's a bacteria that grows on the gravel and it has to grow to a certain extent to, 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 yeah, to, to convert the system. The, the, the system to make yeah, it work. Right. So you'll plant stuff and you'll have like a couple of herbs and some mm. tomatoes and they basically, they'll go okay, but they won't grow. Yeah, and then all of a sudden one week, they'll just go boom. Yeah. And that's when you put your fish it's in. It's so clever. Yeah. It's such a clever thing to do. The yeah. best one I've ever seen was on uh, one of the River Cottage yeah. um, shows with the watercress. Did you ever see that one? Yes. Yeah. Had these huge ponds of watercress out in the open. Yeah. And I so love watercress. Mm. Don't get enough watercress in the city. It, mm. it would sort of grow in these big long ponds. Yeah. But it was out in the open, so they had like insects and oh, bugs like and everything. Oh, quite a system yeah and then that would drain into yeah. these huge sheds with these big um ponds and they were growing trout yeah, was it wow. trout something like that and so that the, they wouldn't even feed the trout that much yeah, they, they were eating the to... insects off the, off the watercress and then obviously they're pooing yeah, or whatever and then yeah. that would go back into the watercress and so they had this huge system where they were putting almost nothing into, into it. it it's almost like pure so profit yeah <laughs> was amazing that was my plan for the apartment block yeah yeah, yeah. yeah pure profit, <laughs> pure profit. <laughs> no no just the you could have fish. chopped the zombies up and fed them to the fish oh, oh i didn't even think that does but that mean zombie the, fish yeah i was gonna say fish. i don't know how the zombie, zombie thing works it depends what strain of human to human complex these it's are the questions that we answer on maybe we could do that as an event food for the apocalypse yes that would be good Oh, there you go. Will, will it feature something that I can make in my crock? Yes, definitely, because you'll need that. I got a crock for Christmas, and I don't know what to do with it. probably be the only form of antibiotics Crocs. that will be crock. able to, like, so fermented what, stuff. Forgive and... my ignorance, because I do know what the word is. a crock pot just like a big no, ceramic? No, no, not a crock pot, a fermenting, fermenting crock. crock. A fermenting mm, crock. It's a big ceramic pot, so basically... Um, it looks like one of those kind of water, ceramic water cooler things. Yeah, yeah. And you put it on your bench and you put in all your salted whatever. Um, and then you put the weights on it so it goes below the water level of, you know, like, so if you salt a whole bunch of cabbage and it releases this water, you put the weights in so it's below the water, the water level. Water's okay. Yeah, yeah, but it's warm so it ferments and stays not toxic. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is my very basic understanding. And then you actually have a, so there's a, a lid goes on top of that and you have, um, you put water in it so that only the kind of gases from the fermentation process can escape oh, and that okay. oxygen can get in. Yeah. It's just a st- like a standard fermenting thing. Yeah. Like um, a still, like when you... Yeah, 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 it's like a one-way system. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, you can make, I, well, as far as I can gather, you can make kimchi, sauerkraut, pickles in this thing but it's five liters or something so a like, lot that's a lot of any of those items and i love a pickle but I don't, i'll never eat that much kimchi or sauerkraut mm. really well you could start jarring it for the but apocalypse the, but then the other thing i just well i will have to the other thing about it is when you jar it apparently you have to like you can use those i forget what Types of jars with the rubber seal yeah, yeah. Um, and the clip that goes down. Yeah. You can use those jars because then apparently that's almost like a one-way system. Air can escape somehow. I'm sure can't yeah. get back in. But if you use the regular jar, you have this potential of them exploding. Like the uh, old cans because, used to do. Yeah, because they, they continue to ferment, obviously, at a much yeah. lower level unless you can refrigerate them. So then you've got like five litres of kimchi that are exploding all over your kitchen. I just don't, you know. I oh, know, I think... 
Oh, you give it away and explodes in other people's kitchens. It's very dangerous. <laughs> we, we made a we made a batch of ginger beer. A mate of mine and I were. We, um, we love making ginger beer, like the old fashioned yeah, bug ginger delicious. beer. Yeah, it's My sister makes it with sultanas. And we we had it in a, in a share house in Tallies under the. Thing. Oh no, no! And you don't like, want a glass bottle with your ginger beer. Yeah, you know, like like this summer, and this sort of heat, and then one one night no. we thought we were being, yeah, we thought we were being <laughs> raided. Just started yeah, exploding right. underneath the, the yeah. building. That was a terrible cleanup. You need cleaner. plastic bottles, and I'm told that you need, you know, it's like good quality plastic, like your Kirk's plastic. It's just not, your not the same. Aldi no. plastic. Oh. You got to drink ginger beer out of a glass bottle. Oh, I know. Yeah, you do. You do. The best one we made was we made some uh, dark and stormies. Mm. So you add a shot of rum, and the al- the extra alcohol in the rum kills a little bit of the fermentation, mm-hmm. actually yeah. slows it right down. Um, and they so were, these were like pre-made ones. So we we made them. Yeah. Made the, the ginger, ginger beer, beer and let it ferment for a certain amount of time, yeah. and then uncapped them yeah. and put a shot of rum in, oh. and then recapped them. But that mm. slowed the fermentation yeah, down. Yeah. Wow. Um, Yum. That was still. Well, when we made them in Gladstone, and then when we came to Brisbane, we weren't game enough to drive them in a car, for six hundred <laughs> kilometres, bouncing up <laughs> and down. Boing, boing. <laughs> So we let my my mum drank them for like four years. They just stayed in her. That's awesome. But um, such a good little supply. Yeah. Yeah. And like, cause you know we were making ginger beer that was probably sort of mid strength range, I yeah. guess. And so yeah, yeah this so was like this was like was, a way for yeah, teenagers yeah. to be able to make homemade booze yeah. that had a bit bit of kick to it. No, so. my sister's only made the well only. The, the non-alcoholic version. I must have been ever so, so, so slightly yeah. alcoholic, but, you know. Like really. milk beer sort of thing. Yeah. I'd really love to try making whiskey, but <laughs> like proper mm. old school. And I've read about it and how you get the, um, but, like the peat into yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's like they sprout the wheat, <laughs> yeah. sprout the grain, yeah. and then they when they dry it, they use peat yeah, to dry yeah, it, and yeah. that's how you get that smoky. And yeah. I'm like, I've got all these ideas on, you know, maybe you could get different types of smokiness well, into it. plenty yeah. of, you know, Australian gin around. Yeah, but the problem is you've got to wait whiskey. for 12 years. To... Well, that's, that's a whole other issue. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, you know... <laughs> My kids will be like, yeah, give us some of that 16-year-old whiskey you made, Dad. That'll be great. Yeah, you'll be, you know, toasting I'm, their I'm weddings just, and... Yeah, that's yeah. right. And, like, sending people blind on their wedding nights because I didn't get it quite right. <laughs> Botulism. But it was 16 years in the making. Yeah. You so, were the one you know, that started the zombie apocalypse with you. With my Botulism-infused whiskey. Oh, <laughs> and that's my other thing about the croc, the botulism and the... Well, I don't know. Like I think about all the canning and things like that that my gran used to do, and you know, it, it's going to be. I, I've done plenty of canning, yeah, and it, I feel fine about it. But it's just we've got the fear put thing. into us now, though. Like if you're sensible and you're clean. Mm. Well, it's a little bit like when I milked, right? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Milk's one we're all well. Well, I drink about raw milk yeah. for x amount and i had yeah. the herd share yeah i would not do the herd share again next yeah. time because once i give people the milk how they treat it well exactly is... you can't guarantee you know you can mm. go to the farm and you can buy a bottle from my, the farm my dad says this because he grew up on yeah um with a cow in stanthorpe so 
yeah, you know, you know the cow, right? Mm. So you know the milk's good, you goes from the cow to you. But then in this herd share kind of arrangement, you don't know what mm. happens in between and there's a bit of delivery and then there's yeah. a bit of this. I mean, I'm not, like plenty of people drink it and I've drunk it plenty of times at Food Connect and, you know, whatever, but... Um, well, we, we drank it for Just... three years. Yeah. Like we only drank raw yeah. milk and Curtis drank raw milk. Yeah. No yeah. problems, but it's going from the cow that I clean yes, exactly. into a clean container, mm. into sterile containers yeah. in my kitchen. And then into him. And yeah. into a fridge and then it's... Yeah. Yeah, very rarely done. there for more than a day or two yeah exactly um yeah. but my problem with the her chair is if i give it to you yeah and you leave it in your fridge yeah. for a week and then yeah. drink it and you get sick and yeah. then you could get really sick you could yeah. die mm-hmm. yeah like, yeah yeah you know it's not yeah. a joke not at all no but um the thing is that i actually think they could do safe raw milk yeah definitely because with yeah. modern processing techniques where they can keep everything super clean and they can chill milk it's about getting the regulation into that industry Mm. and then therefore making it safe that's right if you ban it people still do it and it's unsafe yeah you know so yeah exactly i I reckon if you if you said to someone these are the rules for raw Mm. milk and you tested it at every stage yeah you would get less salmonella than you would in your standard sizzlers as well you know yeah. yeah, you're not mm. going to ban sizzle salad. No, <laughs> so. we should. Mm. But <laughs> all right, we should let you go and have some more painkillers. Oh, <laughs> your own painkillers! I missed that bit. Oh yes, I'll anyway. tell you later. <laughs> From my outlandish laughter. Does anyone oh. want to plug anything? Mm. We plug cookbook club. Yeah, we're yes. talking about cookbook club. Do you yep. want to plug reverse garbage? Sure, come to Reverse Garbage. We have lots of interesting things. There's some cool stuff yeah. coming in lately. We yeah, we've, we're getting some really good donations. I think lots of places um, over Christmas have a lot of stuff that they decorate and with, and then of course it comes to us in January. I'm scared to go there because <laughs> I'm I know scared I'll to work there. <laughs> come home with a trailer load of stuff, and I'm trying to declutter at the moment. I, I used to always say, do you have um, kids' classes? Do, yeah, do, yeah, yeah, do yeah. Yeah, we kids? do. So um, every school holidays, we'll run a program of kids' workshops. Yeah, okay. Um, and it's about twenty or so workshops on different themes over the usually two week period. And yeah, yeah, kids, oh, they love it so much. I'm gonna have to start know. thinking about things like that yeah. now that we have school holidays. No, so. and we we introduced an older one for because um, we had them for four to. 11 year old you know but the teens kind of miss out because there's adult ones which some teens are interested in but mm. we introduced one that's um making like a call it a like a ball run where you you know how you get like a little marble or something and you make it kind of yeah. do all these crazy tricks and go yeah, through yeah. different tunnels and that's for and teens stuff. yeah for like yeah. early teens so. my five-year-old would kill to go there yeah kind of. well they do love it but they tend not to have the kind of you know fine motor skills to, to put it all uh, together he probably would but he's, um he's a bit of a puzzle um but i mean yeah any anyone's welcome to any of them i mean you have an adult says i want to make a marble run you know not going to stop you <laughs> Make your own. There's plenty of materials. But yeah. So, and February 6th is first cookbook yep. club. We've had, no, we've no. had the first one for the yep. year. Oh. Yeah, so Feb 6th is our first potluck supper for so the obvi- year. Oh, so no yeah. one's going to be, no one new is going to be able to come well, to you that. Can. So you can. Come and, you, you can, can come, come and eat. You can come as a special guest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then we've got short stack after that. March and then 13. 
April 10th is Lamingtons and Lemon Tarts. Which will be dessert be, fest. Yeah, dessert will fest. just be amazing. And the menus are in there as well. So, um, But we have got bookings coming through for Short Stack and um, Lemon Tarts and Lamingtons already. So if anyone's thinking of booking in, I'd probably do it oh, sooner rather than later. Yes. Short Stack, rest, uh, short stack menu is... Well, all the menus are awesome, yeah, but that looks cool. Um, there is some really cool things coming out of those short stack books, so we'll whack that in the show notes. It's also a great way to get a book that you will then use because you've eaten yep. a bunch of the recipes already. You know, it's not like coming in, getting a cookbook, and going, "Oh, I really want to use that," but you know, I'll get around to it because you've tried some of them. You're probably going to be like, "Oh, well, I'll definitely mm. try that one again," and we'll tweak that one because Danielle said, "You know, I'd probably do this next time," or. So I think it's a good way of collecting recipe books that will actually will yeah. get into your menus. We talked talk before about how it's good to have an entry point because yeah. you eat something from yeah, and absolutely. then you, you sort of think that you understand it. So. Yeah, yeah. Mm. No, There's some really great good fun. books coming up this year because we've already put in place virtually yeah. a year. And Mother's Day. Day. Mother's Day, Stephanie Alexander. Yes. Mm. And then the long, the, the the long, long table. table and we've got some all, like some of the chefs coming along. So Linda is going to do her podcast with her book. Linda oh, yeah. Yes. So I, had, yeah. I had a list of questions, Julie. <laughs> you, you disappointed me. Isn't that one? But we, you know. Sorry. The questions not, not that still, I haven't, still Not that there. I haven't enjoyed this podcast. But <laughs> yeah, what are you trying to th- say there? I had some things, <laughs> I had some things that I needed, yeah. I needed to ask. <laughs> you can ask us. I don't know that we'll get the answers that you want, but... (laughs) All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you.